Hi everyone, I'm Ben Tapper, and this is Invisible Truths. This is a podcast for anyone who carries burdens that feel too heavy to bear, questions too vulnerable to openly discuss, or pain that you're certain no one else will understand. Even more than that, though, this is a space to acknowledge and explore the invisible truths within each of us. If you're still interested, let's get started. What do you do when you're abandoned or hurt by someone you trust in such a way that recovery feels like a dream? Or what about when you've been broken so thoroughly that you don't know if you'll ever feel whole again? If you can relate to these questions or these feelings, keep listening. This is episode one of Invisible Truths. When you're wounded, you need a team. I don't know about you, but I know what it's like to feel wounded. I've had my fair share of hurts throughout the course of my life, but One in particular that stands out happened when I was nine years old. I was laying in bed one night and my foster mom was trying to tuck me in. I closed my eyes, but instead of dreaming about Power Rangers or Pokemon or whatever nine-year-old boys typically think about before bed, I became acutely aware of a hole in my chest. And I looked down, but there was nothing there, except inside it felt like my heart was missing. It felt like there was a six-inch void in the middle of my chest, and it was painful. It hurt deeply. It hurt in such a way that I was convinced I would never stop hurting. I don't know if you've ever felt a pain like that, but at nine, that was intense. I told my foster mom about it, but there was nothing she could do except give me a hug and tell me she loved me, so that's what she did. Now, how did I get into the position where at nine years old, I was feeling that kind of hurt? Well. Let me back up and tell you a bit more of my story. The first decade or so of my life was characterized by poverty, abuse, and neglect. I lived with my mom and stepdad, who, fun fact, I didn't find out was my stepdad until I was in foster care. Yeah, but more on that later. We bounced from roach-infested motel to roach-infested motel, stayed at an occasional apartment, and then switched back and forth between motels and homeless shelters. And that was more or less the first nine years of my life. Not to mention, I underwent physical and emotional abuse at the hands of my stepdad. He would punch, hit, or kick my siblings and I on a whim at times. At the first hint of any real or perceived slight or infraction, he would fly off the handle. I still remember seeing the bruises he left on the arms of my younger sisters. And I remember vaguely wishing there was something I could do to stop him. But there was nothing I could do because I was a little boy and he was a grown man. So we lived like that. And on top of the poverty and the abuse, we were neglected. My parents would leave us at the motels for a few hours to an entire night. And when they did that, naturally it fell to me as the oldest to look after everyone. So I had to make sure we were safe. Uh, Sometimes I had to make sure we were fed. And I even had to hand out discipline. So you can imagine the weight that I was carrying as a young boy. In the fall of 1997, we moved into a homeless shelter. I say we, but it was really my younger siblings, my mom and myself. My stepdad had gone off to Wisconsin, I think, to find a job or to look for a house or something. So we found ourselves in this homeless shelter in South Bend, Indiana. And that might sound bleak. And looking back, it probably was. But if I'm being honest, That was honestly a breath of fresh air for me. I wasn't looking over my shoulder wondering when my stepdad was gonna be violent again. I wasn't 
worried about where our next meal was going to come from because we ate at the homeless shelter. And above all that, I actually started to develop some sort of social system. For the first time ever, I was in school regularly. I started making friends and I even had my first crush. I don't remember much about her. I can't remember her name, but I do know that she had this fiery red hair and hella freckles, and it was the most adorable thing ever. See, at that homeless shelter, I actually started to feel kind of like a kid. So you can imagine my horror when my stepdad showed up again. One night we were at the homeless shelter and everything was normal, and the next night we're staying in another motel with my mom and my stepdad as he's talking about moving us all back up to Wisconsin with him. And I was horrified that my mom was actually going to let him take us. I had already begun to accept my fate when something strange happened the next morning. And for the life of me, I still can't understand what happened. But the next day, someone told me that my mom wanted to see me in the kitchen of the homeless shelter. And as soon as I heard it, I knew something was wrong. My nine-year-old intuition was flying off the radar. I knew something wasn't right. So I made my way slowly to the kitchen, and each step filled me with a greater sense of dread. And soon my stomach felt like a lead balloon as it dropped deeper and deeper into my gut. I didn't know what was coming, but I knew it couldn't be good. And sure enough, it wasn't. As my mom approached, she knelt down and began talking to me. I don't remember her exact words, but the conversation went something like this. Ben, I'm going to go away now. We have to leave you, but don't worry. I'm going to get a lawyer and I'm going to come back and get you. And with that, she gave me a hug, turned around, and walked out of my life. And after that moment, everything changed. My siblings and I were soon placed in foster care. We were moved 60 or so miles away to Hobart, Indiana, a town we didn't know with people we didn't know and placed in a school system we didn't know. Any hint of normalcy that I'd begun to develop over the last few months was immediately erased and I was furious. Furious that I had no control, furious that my parents were gone, furious that any ounce of safety and security I had felt had been stripped from me and I had no voice. And this brings me back to why I was laying in my bed one night feeling like I had a hole in my chest. Because quite frankly, I may as well have. But as angry as I was about losing my friends and moving to a different town, nothing compared to the hurt I felt when my mom walked out of the door of that homeless shelter. The hole that I felt in my chest was there because I missed my mom. She was gone, and somehow I intuitively knew she wasn't coming back. Now, to be fair, she did come back, sort of, many years later, but once again, that's a different subject for a different podcast. What's important to know now is I was wounded, and I was wounded deeply. Anyone watching the story of my life at that point in time would probably bet money on the fact that within 10 years, I would end up dead or in jail. And statistically, I should have. The only reason I didn't end up being another statistic is because of the team I had around me. As I alluded to in the title of this episode, when you are wounded, you need a team. And I have had a team from day one. Let's start with the foster parents that took my siblings and I in. These people had already raised six children of their own. They were in their mid-40s. They had no reason to open their arms and open their homes to us, but they did. 
Then there were my teachers who worked tirelessly to ensure that I could read better and overcome my speech impediment. And their work eventually paid off. In one year, I went from being put back a grade to being accepted into the honors program. And then I had pastors and faith leaders and youth leaders and people at the church that went out of their way to take us in, to wrap us up, and to show us love. And taking it even a step further, I had friends and parents of friends who accepted me as their own into their family. This was my team. It consisted of hundreds of people over the course of multiple decades, but each and every one of them was necessary to help me get to where I am today. Now, if I'm being honest, I haven't always been great at leaning on other people. I'd say it wasn't until I was a sophomore in high school that I started opening up to my friends about how I was feeling emotionally. And it took me that long, honestly, because I was afraid I would be burdening people with all of my baggage. Or I didn't trust that people could hold or understand what I was telling them. I thought maybe they would judge me or something. And sometimes it just felt safer to keep it all tucked away. If I buried it, then maybe I wouldn't have to acknowledge it either. The point is, it wasn't until my sophomore year of high school when one of my friends challenged me to start leaning on other people instead of just letting other people lean on me. And that was kind of a wake-up call for me. So I did. And then in college, some friends of mine challenged me even further. And so I stepped even further out of my comfort zone and started sharing more of myself with other people. And every time I did so, I was expanding my team. And as I sit here today, I have a plethora of people that I can lean on at any moment who will support me, who will offer me wisdom, or most importantly, who will check me when I need to be put back in line. These are relationships that I value and cherish, and they range from my spiritual director, to my counselor, to friends I've known since third or fourth grade, to family members. Each of them plays a significant role in my life, and I wouldn't be where I'm at without them. When we're wounded, it is often instinctual to withdraw within ourselves or to put up higher and higher walls so no one has the chance to hurt us again. But I think in doing that, we often stunt our own healing and growth. So if you're feeling as though someone has left you high and dry when you needed them most, or maybe your trust has been betrayed at the worst possible moment, or perhaps you're holding wounds that you're convinced will never heal. If any of that describes how you're feeling, please know you are not alone. There are others that are feeling exactly as you are. Some of us have survived the storm, others are in the midst of it, and for others still, the worst is on the horizon. Wherever you are in the process, know that you need a team. Your team can be one person or 10 or 1,000 the numbers are less important than the quality of people. And if you're not sure where to start, try a counselor, mentor, or spiritual director. These are all people that you can go to and they can help you figure out who else might be part of this support team for yourself. I know that life literally feels unbearable at times, but when you most want to hide in a hole or put up those walls, please fight that urge and reach out. And if someone reaches out to you for help, make sure your boundaries are appropriate and healthy for you then be part of their team. This is not a one-way street. We need to make sure that we're giving and receiving. Above all else, please know that you deserve to be loved and cared for appropriately. If you're alive, at some point in time, you'll be wounded. There's just no escaping that. But when we are wounded, we have a choice to make. Do we withdraw and put up our defenses? Or do we do what seems counterintuitive? Take down our walls 
and let other people in. And as natural as it might feel to close ourselves off, I believe with all of my heart that when we're wounded, we need a team. Thank you for listening to the Invisible Truths podcast. This has been episode one. If you liked what you heard or felt inspired, please subscribe so that way new episodes show up in your inbox when they're produced. You can also find my blog at www.bjtapper.wordpress or you can find me online at www.bjtapper.com. If you would like to reach out regarding speaking engagements, workshops, or one-on-one coaching, you can email me at benjaminjtapper at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn about ways that you can help make a difference in the lives of children like me in the foster care system, keep listening after the outro because I'll be sharing some important information. Thanks again for listening, everyone. For the Invisible Truths podcast, I'm Ben Tapper. Okay, terrible truth of the day. Child abuse is far more common than any of us want to believe. In 2017, there were 674,000 victims of child abuse nationwide, which is a sterile way of saying that in 2017, 674,000 children were physically or emotionally abused or neglected. Now to put this in perspective, if you were to take all of the children in 2017 that were victims of child abuse and put them in one area, that area would be larger than the city of Atlanta. I will say that again. If you took all 674,000 children that were abused in 2017, they would outnumber the residents of Atlanta, Georgia. I say that to say that the details of my story are far from unique. You likely know a child that has been or is currently being abused. You might not even be aware of it. If there is any good news to this, it's that you can always make a difference. You could become a foster parent, sure, but I honestly don't know that that's for everyone. Foster parents have made a huge difference in my life, but if you jump into it with the wrong motivations or before you are fully ready or your family is ready, you can end up doing far more harm than good. And that's the last thing I'm sure anyone wants to do. So if you want to become a foster parent, people are always looking for more foster parents. You can find ways to reach out. I've included a link in the description. But if you want to help and know that being a foster parent isn't for you right now, there are still other great ways to get involved. So number one, you can provide emergency or respite care to foster parents. Respite or emergency care is simply when you take foster children in for a short amount of time, it could be as little as a night or as long as a month, to provide some relief for full-time foster parents, okay? So it's more of a temporary thing. You can drive foster kids to and from visits with their parents, or you could work on becoming a mentor to a foster youth by joining the Big Brothers and Big Sisters program. These are just a few of the ways that you can get involved, including donating your time, money, and material possessions to organizations that support foster and adoptive children. So take some time, do some research, do some soul searching, and figure out what makes the most sense for you. I'm sure whatever you do, it will make a huge impact. Once again, I'm Ben Tapper, and this has been the Invisible Truths Podcast. Thanks for listening.